You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak with Kat Gunther about being a young entrepreneur, managing her side hustles, and working at a tech startup. Kat Gunther is a 22-year-old recent graduate from the University of Michigan. Since her first horseback riding lesson at the young age of eight years old, she has been a proud horse girl ever since. During her middle school and high school years, Kat showed American quarter horses all around the nation, collecting many titles at shows like the AQHYA World Show and the All-American Quarter Horse Congress. Nowadays, you can find Kat working with her two Gypsy Vanners, Porkchop and Aspen, as well as working on her equine industry-based side businesses, Behind the Bit Show Clothing and Equine Redefined. During the day, she works in sales and marketing at Ready Signal, a new tech startup based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you on today. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I just have to let our listeners know that... Um, the way that we uh, connected was exactly what Equestrian Business Women is about. And Kat had found me on LinkedIn and she reached out to me and asked for a call to find out about Equestrian Business Women. And I was like, yes, let's definitely have a call. So um, I was really impressed that you you put yourself out there, that you took the initiative to kind of seek out uh, other women in the equine industry. And we had a great chat and um, while we were chatting initially um, we were talking about how so many times people think that when they have to, when they grow up in this industry, they have to be a trainer or a rider or, you know, a, a farrier or a veterinarian. And you had told me that that was something that you had thought about. So what made you think that you wanted to be a vet? I just loved animals. You know, I was a little kid and I was like, I love animals. I want to help them. And naturally you think, okay, the best way to do that is to be a veterinarian. And my uncle, he owns a small animal clinic. So I grew up around that, like, if you love animals, you're a vet. So out of high school, I only applied to Michigan State. Because I was like, that is what I want to do. I'm from Michigan. That's the best vet program around. So I'm like, that is it. I got into it a little bit and said, nope, that is not it. (laughs) (laughs) At what point did you, did you realize that like right away? Was it a a couple of years in? Like at what point was the change? Yeah. So I started in the fall of 2019. So COVID hit that January in 2020. So they, you know, sent us all home and everything. We did classes online. I was not loving the science classes for one. I, I was not into the biology and the chemistry and all that. So that was my first kind of sign. But then that summer, I had a little more time on my hands. So I went and worked at my uncle's clinic. And I got very much like real world in a veterinary center experience. And I I liked being there. And I, I loved hugging the animals. Like I would bring the dogs in and just play with them. But you don't get paid money to just pet people's dogs. So that's when I was like, eh, that's, that's not the right thing. Did you think you wanted to be a small animal vet? Or were you looking for equine? I was always leaning towards small animal. I was thinking about equine, but I've seen the hours that equine vets work and it's just, it's crazy. They work their butts off. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about that with some vets on the podcast before and, and how difficult it is um, for a job and how they're starting to kind of put into place ways to help them. And because so many vets are leaving the equine side of things and going into small animal for the money or the hours. And um, yep. yeah, it's, it's a definite issue that people have been talking about lately. For sure. And it's dangerous. One of our vets mm. that used to work on our mini horse, she got kicked in the head and she can't <sighs> practice anymore. Like wow. she had severe brain damage. So that happened when I was in high school and I was like, eh, maybe, um, being a, a horse vet's not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Sometimes, sometimes we see the glamorous things, right? I remember um, being, I don't know, probably 12 and I was at this vet's farm and it was beautiful. And at the time yeah. they had like fans in all of the stalls and I was just like blown away by it. And <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be a vet. And my mom's like, aren't you sure about that? Because, you know, we live on a farm and you know how in the middle of the night, sometimes we have emergencies. She was like, you have to get up and deal with that. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> and like ever since then, I was like that. I I never thought I wanted to be a vet after that, to be honest. <laughs> yes. Similar experience. Yes. <laughs> and what was the hardest part, do you think, of kind of making that change and having to switch what you wanted to study? So what happened is over COVID, I started designing my first product that it's called Rapstar. It rerolls wraps for horses. Um, and I, I don't know, I just kind of fell in love with that process and the idea of being involved in like a business, like the industry of horses, but in a different way. And so during COVID, I had a lot of time to think because, you know, I was at home and I was like, you know, I'm going to just try to change over to Michigan. So I went from Michigan State to U of M. Um, both of my parents went to U of M. So we're a strong, like, go blue family. Mm-hmm. So they were like, they, they very much supported it. Um, but the hardest part was just kind of letting go of what I thought my whole, I would say middle school to high school. I was like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. There's no doubt in my mind. Just changing that and being like, okay, it's okay not to be what I thought I had to be, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many people, I mean, you you had to go through it early in school, which I'm sure lots of people have before, but we've talked to women who have gone through that after, you know, a huge career, you know, decades in a career and having to pivot and change and do something else. And um, yeah, it's definitely a big life change. But um, do you have any regrets from changing? Uh- I have no regrets. I I love U of M. I love Ann Arbor. I still support Michigan State. Okay. Like the game tomorrow is Michigan State versus Michigan. It's a big rivalry. So in this case, tomorrow, I will be supporting U of M. But in all, like I still support Michigan State. So I don't regret changing. And you just were, you mentioned that you have your product. Um, So with the, with that product, what was your idea behind creating it? Like, did you see a problem and know a solution or did you seek out um, a solution for a problem you were having? Can you kind of talk through, you know, the, that process of yeah. your product that you developed? For sure. So I just always love to be creative with things and come up with new ideas or ways to make something better, whether it be a product, a business strategy, an idea, whatever. I just, I was like, I want to put my extra time I have during COVID into something. So I was like, okay, what kind of products are would be helpful to me in the barn? And rolling wraps has been something I have hated forever. 
my horse needed to be wrapped every night, every time we he went in the trailer, every time we rode, different types of wraps, and I hated rolling them, and they were never tight enough, and I always was picked on for it. Like, it was a thing that Kat could not make her wraps tight. So I said, okay, what could help me make my wraps tight? So then I just started going down a rabbit hole of, like, what products were already out there, and that's kind of the whole genesis of it. How old were you? At that point, I was... 19. Okay. Yep. 19 years old, freshman in college. And and so you were home and you were just like doing research on that and trying to figure yep. out. Exactly. And my dad is a patent attorney, so he has a strong understanding yeah. of like the mechanics of it. So we both kind of sat down and did it together in a way. Um because I was like, "Dad, do you think this is an idea?" I did all my market research. I have a strong network in the equine industry. So I just talked to as many people as I could. We saw that there was a need for it and a want. So I sat down with him and we designed it together. So it was very fun. That's cool. How long did that process take you to get through to your final design? Oh my goodness. Probably like a year and a half. Oh wow. The the whole process, the final or the design maybe took six to eight months because we had to keep reiterating it. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad's friend is a manufacturer. So he does a lot of patent work for him. And he was like, Hey, Greg, can you talk to my daughter? So we had a conversation and he kind of drew up all the the CAD and like the prototyping and everything. So we went through maybe two prototypes before we got to where we were like, okay, this is solid. This works. Let's make the molds. Let's put it into production. So the whole process was maybe a year and a half until I had like my first rap star in my hand. Cool. And Um, so starting this business, was it, did you have to come up with money to, to be able to do all of this prototype and things like that? Mm -hmm. So my mom invested a bit. So she, she has some invested in there. And then I also put a little bit of my money because I buy and sell horse show clothes and can sign them and rent them. So I put, I mean, it's not nearly enough, but I put in some of my money and then my mom put in some of her money. Okay. Yeah. Kept it in the family. (laughs) And how does it work? Is it something you attach to a wall or? That's the beauty of it. You can attach it to a wall. There's little four little holes in each corner that you could screw to a wall easily to barn stall anything. But the beauty of it and the patented part of it is that there are hooks that are adjustable. So like, let's say you want to put it on a fence. You can adjust it to make it tight on that fence. You could put it on the side of your trailer. You could put it on your stall. It's just, it's portable and very easy to make nice and tight to that wall oh cool okay did you obviously you have horses so you you tried it out yourself but did you market test it with other people that you knew yeah so i gave one to a reining barn i gave one to a dressage barn i sent a couple out to some friends and i'm like hey just use this if you like it cool if you don't give me feedback like i you're not gonna hurt my feelings just tell me what you like and you don't like so that was a big part of it And then did they have feedback for you? Yeah. So at first we didn't have the U-bar. So basically on the wrap star, if you look at it, there's a spot where you feed in the Velcro before you put it through the actual bar. And that gives it some tension. So it's a tight wrap. The first one did not have that. So it was not as tight of a wrap as people wanted. So I'm like, okay, what, what's the way we can make it better? And that's when me and my dad sat down and he's like, if we have something that gives it that, like that tension, um, it'll make it tight. So that's, that was the big switch that was needed. Yeah, I know. It, you know, it's funny, um, because my parents are real sticklers about 
with their race barn about wraps and that, you know, the tighter you roll it, the better you can wrap it onto the leg. Exactly. So, so when, you, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I wonder if that would make it tight enough for like their standards, you know? Oh, yeah. I've seen. So that was the thing, too, is a lot of people don't like to change their ways. So if they're fast with wrapping, they're not going to get something that, you know, they're like, oh, I can do it. I'm not going to buy that. But I had a couple of people. They bought a rap star and then challenged people in their barn to like roll faster than the rap star and sent me videos. They did not roll faster. So rap star won and the rap was tighter. So a lot of times the people were like, oh, I've been defeated. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I was proven wrong. That's yeah. a good little social media uh, oh, campaign yeah. there. Like people are like, I can beat this thing. And the, most of the time, no. <laughs> you know what? I love rolling raps. I do too. I was so good at it. Like I love to just walk through the barn and grab everybody's wraps and I'll roll them. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just, I don't want to stand around and do nothing. So like I will roll wraps all day long, but that'd be so cool to just have a machine be like rolling. rolling And it's fun. Like it genuinely is enjoyable. (laughs) I don't mind doing it now because it's kind of um, relaxing. Just kind of watch it. And then it looks like a beautiful wrap when you're done. You're like, dang, okay. I can do this more often. (laughs) I looked at it. So, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about those um apple peelers where you put yep. them and you like roll yeah. the apple on it. Yeah. Yep. Like I could do that all day long watching those peels go. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I had a lady buy one and she said her kid likes to roll her wraps now, which I thought that was hilarious. So the kid goes to the barn and just rolls wraps because she like, likes to play with it. That's great. <laughs> like, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, my parents would like when we were little, they'd give us like five cents a wrap. So, oh, <laughs> but okay. you had You'd to be making money. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, some young entrepreneur out there, <laughs> you, yeah. can, you, you can buy it. one and then go to your barn and uh, start charging people for rolling. <laughs> yes. Wraps. Yes. Let's put that out into the universe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Charge at horse shows. Be like <laughs> five cents a wrap. So, once you started manufacturing, how did you bring it? to a market and how did you distribute it? Yeah. So at first I just kind of put it on my behind the bit show clothing page. And that's kind of how I started getting it out there. Cause on my own personal Facebook page for behind the bit, there, I have like 30,000 people and I admin maybe like 10 groups or more on Facebook with over 500,000 people. So <clears throat> that's kind of the market. I just kind of tested it with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sold a couple, I would say maybe two to 300 that way. And then I started going to like expos. I just went to Wessa in Dallas in August, uh, made some connections with some distributors. So now I just got my first distributor deal this week. So I'm very cool. excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of been, now we're really ramping up because all of this was when I was in college. Like I just graduated yeah. in June. So I was busy with just trying to get through school. Um, but now that I'm graduated, I would say probably August is when I started really taking this seriously and like, trying to get it out there, go to the expos, get distributors. So, Mm. yeah. What did you end up uh, studying in school? Psychology. No. All right. Everybody laughs when they hear that. They're like, it is random. But yes, (laughs) very random. It was more like a consumer psychology basis. But yeah. Yeah. That's that pretty cool. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I went into school in psychology and then I switched to, to marketing. But you know, there is so much psychology behind so much. marketing and business. It's amazing. Like I, I read a lot of books and there's so many behind it. So, oh yeah, the overlap is is crazy. So 
it was very helpful. And like I said, I enjoyed you of them. So I have no complaints. Mm. <laughs> so you're not direct to customer anymore. Or are you, do you still do direct to customer and in distribution? I <clears throat> mostly do direct to, con- to customer. Sorry. Um, so I just got my website up and going. I'm getting more products on there as we speak. I think we have maybe 10 products. Um, Rapstar is the one I invented. The others are more just partnerships. But distributor, this is a new territory for us. I have not worked with one before, but we're working with Jax. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yep. So they're going to get their first shipment out next week. Wow. And and you're also on Amazon, right? <clears throat> yep. I got it on Amazon this summer. So And, and what was that process like? Because we haven't had too many people that have products on Amazon. So mm-hmm. can you just kind of talk about like how you got that done and, and what that requires of you? Yeah, it was kind of a pain in the butt, honestly. Like once you get it on there, it's easy because so basically there's fulfilled by Amazon. So I send, let's say 20 to a warehouse and then they send it out to whoever buys it. They handle returns. Just saying we have not had a return with Rapstar because people love it, but they're supposed to handle returns and just like that kind of nitty gritty stuff. Um, The hardest part was just getting the account set up because you need a seller central account to Mm. put a product on Amazon and you have to go through like all the tax stuff. There's just a bunch of information they need. So that was the hardest, like longest part of the process. Okay. And then once you got it up, like you, do you have, do you have a warehouse that you keep your stuff in or you keep it at home? Like what's, I keep it in this room. This is my office. Okay. (laughs) So I, yeah, at this point I make rap stars in my shed and you know, just hustle away. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so you actually put them together? So then? basically I get the, I get the parts. So Greg okay. and I will meet up and he'll give me boxes of all the parts. And then I put, I put them partially together because I, at first I shipped them as a whole unit ready to go, but it was too expensive. It's very lightweight. It's like, I think two to three pounds total. The Rapstar is very, very lightweight, but when it was all assembled, you needed a bigger box. So I assembled the hard parts of it. And then there's just very easy parts to put together um, when the consumer gets it. And then there's like a little QR code they can scan and watch a video on how to put it together if they need help. So I partially assemble them. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot, but I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, also, then you don't have to have hundreds totally all together at one time. You can kind of go as you need, right? Exactly. Yes. Oh, that sure. must help with planning things out then. Yes, it does help. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And I've learned so much through this one little product, just right. about business and about networking and connecting with people. So... It's been a yeah, that's a that's a, a really cool process to go through when you're young and be able to learn and have it not be make or break situation where you're dealing with millions of investors dollars. Exactly, things like that. exactly. We kept the cost as low as possible, so it's like low risk. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's just been a very good process to learn. And yeah, to, yeah. Have you thought at all about scaling up and what that would look like for you in the future? For sure. So that's kind of what I'm testing right now with Equine Redefined. So at this point, it's a platform where I want to put innovative equestrian products and just cool products that people might need or, you know, would help them in their daily lives at the barn. Uh, I'm still testing that out, that idea. It likely is going to pivot a million times, but that's just what I'm playing with right now. 
Um, we're going to Equine Affair in Massachusetts in November. So I'm going to, that's going to be a big thing of me just talking to people, showing them what I have, like just market research in person. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is it a website um, where you do like e-commerce or yeah. how does it work? So, yeah. So it's an e-commerce website. I'm only based online. Um, I Most of the stuff I have is stuff that I've partnered with people and I buy wholesale and sell. Some of the people I'm looking at getting on there are more drop shipping. Um, some are just straight up partnerships where I refer people to their website. Um, so that's that's the trend of equine redefined so far. Mm-hmm. And that's where you kind of put your the rap star as well for sale. Yes. Yep. That is how it all started. Was just like I have rap star. I can't really sell it in a horse show clothing market anymore. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't want to taint my horse show clothes with just rap star. So I was like, okay, I need to make a separate entity entity that I could have products and, mm. you know, cool services. And I do a blog on there. So it's, it's kind of just my little fun side project at the moment. I'm hoping I can scale it, but um, right now it's just a passion project. Cool. Yeah. Do you think that your rap star is going to be something that you have to like make a next generation of, or do you think you're pretty solid in what you have? The problem is it's, it's so solid. (laughs) There's not much to do at the moment. I haven't gotten Mm -hmm. feedback that it breaks. I haven't gotten feedback that it's not working well. Like, so at this point, no, um, possibly down the line, now that we're getting into distributors and whatnot, it'll be more in circulation out there. Um, so that's a, to be determined. Mm -hmm. And, and in terms of that, um, Obviously, at some point, it might get too big for you to keep having to put it together by yourself. What are your thoughts on that? So I do have a family friend who is willing to invest in this and in in me, really. He just sees potential in me. So he's like, Kat, if you end up, if there's proof in the market, if you want to do this, I like, let's go for it. I'm here to help you. Uh, So that's kind of the way that would trend if it ends up going that way. But I, I don't see that happening for a few more months, at least those discussions happening just I got to get I got to test the market a bit more which equine affair will be a good one to do that at definitely yeah yeah Yeah. and it'll be interesting I'd I'd like to circle back at some point and find out like what how it went yeah how (laughs) Yeah, like like what the the pivot point is you know because I think that's a very curious thing to know about is um when do you know that you you are in over your head you need help like to expand it you know Exactly. Because right now, I mean, like I said, this is a passion project. I have a full-time day job, so I'm just juggling a lot, but I'm I'm hoping eventually that this could be my job job. Something with the horse industry, something with business. Um, yeah, just keeping my doors open. So as we talk about the many things that you do on the side, <laughs> not only do you have Rapstar and the, the e-commerce site, but You've been an entrepreneur really from a young age. Um, Can you talk about what inspired you to start renting show clothing? Yeah. So I was, I didn't start renting them until I was like 15, 16. But when I was 13 years old is when I started getting into quarter horse showing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's expensive. Horse showing is very expensive. So my dad said, I will pay for the board and the training. You pay for all your horse shows, everything related to it. If you want to do it, you got to do that. So I'll find a way. I will find a way. So I started buying and selling horse show clothes mostly and then consigning them. Renting came a little later. 
Um, but that ended up being a really good market. And then I did a bunch of random other things. I was a, a writer for Equine Magazine, an online magazine for four or five years. And I dyed saddles. I made ads for people. Um, I, I did a lot of just random. I would work at horse shows, be people's grooms. Uh, it, it was just a little bit of everything at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, with the the show clothing business, how did you recognize that that could be something to make money on or did you just enjoy it or did you see a need for it? Yeah, I just enjoyed it. Honestly, I, I love mm-hmm. the sparkle. I, I love all the crystals. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, so I started going to tax sales and I would get a shirt, let's say for hundred bucks and then put it on my Facebook page for 200 bucks, you know? So it just, that's kind of how it started. I would, you know, fix it up a little, add some more crystals. Um, and it just, it was again, a passion project that just became bigger and bigger. Yeah. Can you talk about the growth of that business and how you grew your audience to what it is today? Yeah. So it's a very niche market, those (laughs) horse show clothing people. Um, And I was very involved with horse showing. I would go, that was my life. Every weekend, everywhere, went all over the nation, got to like the Congress, Quarter Horse Congress, uh, AQHYA World Show. Like I was very much involved with that. So I think a lot of it was the fact that I was very much in the, in the market like people knew me, which was kind of right. weird. Um, at the time, it was weird. I had a little girl walk up to me and she made me a stall sign for me and my horse. Like it was just oh, st- yeah. stuff like that. So I think that's how it really started. And then I just had a big presence on Facebook. I still do, um, which was always funny because in high school, people would be like, why is Cat on Facebook? That's an old person app. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, I'm making money. Don't judge me. <laughs> I was actually thinking that at one point. I, I know, like, I did too. She's so yeah. you, <laughs> you were you like, know? she has this huge audience on Facebook. And I'm like, how old is she? Yeah. <laughs> like, 22. Yeah. Oh, okay. that's Because that's that's where the buyers are. I mean, I have an Instagram yeah. as well with a few thousand followers. But teenagers don't usually have the money to drop $600 on a show shirt. So Right. It's that a little bit older audience that mm-hmm. is like, you know, I'm going to get this shirt for my daughter. So yeah. that's why Facebook is a better spot for that range. Yeah, totally makes sense. And then you're so you're still doing where you um, do consignments or you sell them used clothes, but also do you you rent them out too, right? Yep, correct. And what's that portion of the business? Is it more I- rentals or more sales? I would say more sales. Um, rentals is a big part of it, but the consignment stuff is what I've really been focusing on because I've just been so much so busy with so many other things that it's a it's a good way where I don't have to invest in the shirt, but I can help people sell it and then just take you know my commission. Mm-hmm. So I've been really emphasizing the consignments at this point. Do you actually yeah. have that in hand? Your consignments, or are they you're just like advertising for them? So that's actually a a good point. At first I did not like, I would just have them take photos and send them to me. But then we got in a whole, I got in a whole thing with the photos because somebody who was in a different shop took the photos that they sent to me. And so it was a whole thing. Like, those are my photos, yada, yada. So I changed it and I'm like, now people send it to me and I just keep it more uniform. I use the same background. Um, So yeah, now they're required to send me the clothes. And I do all that in person. And then the measurements just to make sure they're accurate. Cause mm-hmm. you'd be surprised at how people do not know how to measure their clothes or themselves. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So and I'm sure sizing isn't uniform across brands and things like that. 
for sure. And a lot of these pieces are custom. So then mm. you have the whole other layer of, you know, it was made to fit someone else. Right. So then, yeah. So we have a return policy for that reason, um, just in case they can't work. Where do you keep all this stuff? <laughs> this room this is in my office. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've converted my dad's old office in the house into my office and it kind of looks like a tornado hit, but you know, we're just trying to juggle a few different businesses in here. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's like truly homegrown. Oh, right. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. That's, I mean, that's what it takes sometimes, right? Is working with what you've got until you can do something bigger and Maybe this is how it works best, you know, for quite a while. Exactly. Exactly. Right now, the process is working. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed it grows and we need to do something else. But if not, I got the the process in this room here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's really good um, for our listeners to understand that, that um, you don't have to go out and have a fancy space or a fancy office or even... Um, warehouse a big warehouse exactly like you can start from where you're at and just start and see where it goes from there exactly and like I said in my day job it's I work for a tech company a tech startup in Ann Arbor and they laugh at me because I have horse show clothes all on that wall rap stars all on that wall and they're just like Kat what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) and since you mentioned that you work at a at a tech startup. Can you kind of talk about what you what your job is and what your role is and how you got into working for a tech startup? Yeah, so I found them on LinkedIn, like the job postings on LinkedIn. Um, I was I, I really love the startup environment, so that's why I was looking for that kind of space. Um, I have no background in tech, n- none at all, and I'm sales for them. So this past two months, I started beginning of September, and it's just been learning. Like learning about APIs and the different databases mm-hmm. and Noah and Fred. And it's just been, I've talked to a lot of data scientists, never thought I would be doing that. Um, but it's very interesting. I just love learning and being in a small environment. There's five of us. Like it's yeah. very close knit. We all kind of take different hats when we need to. Um, so I've enjoyed it so far. That's cool. And um What's your role and and what have you learned the most? Yeah, so I do sales. And what I've learned the most is people do not like salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I've learned. And so it's just it's making it when you reach out to someone more of like a networking and a connection route rather than like, hi, I'm Kat. I want to sell you something. Listen to me. Because nobody's gonna respond to that. So that's what I've learned the most so far is just being genuine with what you're trying to do and just genuinely be interested in the other like customer and the other person and see if there's a way that you guys can like merge some type of agreement or some type of partnership. And if not, no big deal. So that's the biggest lesson so far I've learned in two months. I think that's a really good perspective. Is it a matter of um, like working from a list of people that, they already know kind of who you are and what you do or is it complete cold calling? So there's no cold calling. All of what I do is reach out on LinkedIn. So like I have LinkedIn sales navigator and I develop lead lists. Um, My LinkedIn is about 700 data scientists and like head of demand planning for companies and stuff. 
Mm. So that's how I mostly reach out to people is through there and try to set up like an intro call. Um, no cold calling, luckily, because people do not like cold callers either. Yeah, especially. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard anyone talk about kind of link using LinkedIn as oh, a yeah. sales uh, platform. How How difficult is it? Is it, I mean... Obviously, all the information is there, but how much does mm-hmm. it take to kind of get those lists of who you want to reach? Like actually forming the lists, like the yeah. lists. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, it is not hard because you can go in and put like the company name, company headcount. If they went to the same school as you, there's so many filters you can go through. And it, so that part makes it really easy. Now, getting that lead list into my seamless, which is how I get like the emails and whatnot to drop them into HubSpot to put them in the email sequences. That's yeah. a whole other story. That's a little bit of a headache. But as far as LinkedIn goes, it's it's pretty straightforward to kind of use and find who I need to talk to. Hmm. I think that's, fun, really that's a whole other story. Idea. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I bet there's a lot of people, you know, in our industry that don't realize that that's a possibility for them in order mm-hmm. to just get contacts for sure and is that did you use that like when you had found me and to connect with me were you doing a search for equestrian business women or women in yes. the equine industry so i actually found you on one of the groups it was like a mm-hmm. one of the marketing or one of those t- type of groups mm-hmm. um i've looked for people in the equine industry it doesn't come up if you look up like equestrian or anything but if you look up a company so let's say dover Mm-hmm. or something then people will come up but with okay. you i found you on a one of the groups okay like, oh, this sounds really cool i need to reach out to her <laughs> yeah well i i love that i love that you've put yourself out there i also love that you're looking at sales as more of a networking because i'm the same way um i'm not a hard sales person at all i like to have relationships with the people that i'm selling to um and you know have know the product that i have is something that they're going to want and kind of put it together instead of being like oh everybody's going to buy this so exactly um, yeah and and, it, and also that makes it a little less um like personal when when people say no right like yeah. <laughs> exactly and i'm not scared of being told no but nobody likes to be told no so you're just like okay well we're still friends <laughs> right exactly yeah and to go back a little bit to the show close business when you started selling on facebook did you is what is your audience on like an official business page or is it a group? How did you, um, how did you start that and build it? Yeah. So I made a Facebook business page. So it's an official Mm -hmm. page called behind the bit show clothing. If you look at the old profile picture, you could see what 13 year old me thought was a good idea. It's (laughs) hilarious. I've tried to hide it on the page. Yeah. So it started (laughs) off as a Facebook business page group. And then I just shared to a lot of the different groups. So, like show clothes on a budget, new to you show clothing, show clothes and horse tack for sale. Like these are just different groups that I started just because I was like, I need a spot to share behind the bits stuff onto. So yeah. for example, show clothes and horse tack, I think I started that at the beginning and it's at like 80,000 people or something in it. So that's just in the group that's separate from my behind the bit. Now there's some right. overlap, like some people might be in the group and like behind the bit, Yeah, but it, that's kind of the the strategy for reaching them. I'm pretty hmm. sure I'm in that group. And yeah, that is a good strategy though, mm-hmm. to start groups like that to 
drive them to your business page. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like groups grow so fast, whereas if you start a new business page to grow it organically is almost impossible anymore. It's very tough because then people feel like they need to interact with your business or buy from you. Whereas with a group, mm. it's just you're you're part of this big group. You're not there's no commitment. You know, right. you, you catch their eyeballs when they're scrolling, that's that's a win. Right. So, yeah, that's and a, the and I like that you made your own group so that because I think a lot of groups yeah. you go on, if it's about horses or or uh, a community, they're like you can't post anything for sale on it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, you just started your own and said, "Here, all this is for sale." <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I like to be the admin of my group, so I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just gonna make my own. Let's. Me and my mom are admins. We take care of it. And in the years, yeah. I've added more admins on because a lot of spammers come in or yes. they fall through the cracks or like people, the Indian markets that are like knocking off designers, you know, they get yeah. in there. I've yeah. had a one of those overseas designers actually go like message me with my own photos of show clothes and be like, I will sell this to you for a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that jacket is in my closet or in my uh, office. And wow. <laughs> Oh, so wow. we try to keep them out, but that's, I've added more moderators to the groups over the years. Interesting. I, I, I just think it's really fascinating that so much, even though you have tangible products, so much of your business has just been on, on a social media platform. It has been. Yep. It's yeah. the best way to reach people. So I, I've been trying to use full full advantage of it. I've, I've been trying TikTok. I know that's what everyone uses nowadays. So I've been trying to make some videos on there of, you know, the products. And, hmm. But Facebook is my bread and butter. Interesting. Yeah. I, so many people feel like they have to rush into the the newest, biggest thing. And maybe it's not always a fit for your business or how you um, reach your audience. That is so true, especially with like products, platforms, whatever. You don't always have to go to the, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can go to the things that are tried and true and start there and then grow. That's yeah. that's how I see it. Yeah. And so as a recent college graduate, uh, what advice would you give to people, you know, your age and younger? I would say don't rush it. Just see what you enjoy doing, what you genuinely enjoy doing. Obviously you have to take care of, you know, where you're living and make sure you have food and water and stuff. But as far as if you have all that taken care of, take the time to try to figure out like what, what is it that you really enjoy doing and what you're, you're good at and yeah. try to combine those two into something and you'll be happy and you'll make money. <laughs> and, um, what advice would you give to your 13 year old self who made that terrible profile photo? <laughs> 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 I would say, don't worry, you'll be. It'll give it a couple of years. <laughs> it'll be better. Don't worry. <laughs> Keep trying. Oh what do you goodness. think it's, it's you you've learned the most um, by by being this young? Even a particular a, career, you know, like people right. are so focused on. Oh, I have to have this career. Yeah, right. It was it was a lot to juggle with school because I always needed good grades. That was another thing I was always obsessive over. So it was a lot to juggle. But the biggest thing I've learned is I'm really not scared to fail. Um, if somebody tells me, no, I don't like your idea. I don't like you. I don't, you know, I'm like, cool. Let's go our separate ways. I'm going to just keep trying. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, that's the biggest thing I've learned is I'm not scared to be told no. I'm not scared to fall on my face or to look stupid. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You can't take rejection personally in business no. like that. You can't. Rejection mm-hmm. is an opportunity to learn. It's cheesy, but it's the most true thing I've ever heard. Mm. So. Cool. Well, I think it's been so fun to talk to you and learn more about all the different things that you do. And I think, yeah, like Jen said, it would be really fun to catch up down the road and see how things are and where they've grown. Um, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. That sounds great. And I've, I've loved being here. Thank you for having me. You gave me an opportunity to talk. That's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit more because at the end of each episode, we ask the same four questions to each guest and okay. Connor starts with the first. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? I would say to not be scared to try new things, to go out there and just experiment in the business world, like see what what resonates with you. And if it doesn't work, try something else. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. Usually on the weekends, I would get let myself get a little lax with it, but I get up at five, I work out, and then I just start my day. So I keep that kind of that pattern. Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Nine. My mom calls me an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, I could be in bed at eight o'clock some nights. So (laughs) I've I've been in bed at seven p.m. I'm not ashamed. You're sure. What, uh, what's your favorite horse movie? I like Spirit. I'm I'm classic with that one. That was just a good movie. <laughs> have you watched the Netflix series based on the movie? I have not yet. I'm not a big TV watcher, but now I'm gonna uh-huh. have to. Yeah, it's pretty good. My yeah, my kid likes it. So okay, okay, I'm gonna I'll watch that this weekend. Thank you for that. <laughs> and who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? I would say Kelsey Keithley. She has Norfleet Marketing. Um, she grew her business and it's, it's very impressive. I've known her for many years. She used to write for the same magazine as me. Uh, this very nice lady. She's a hustler. She'd be great to talk to. Awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much. Um, it was great talking with you and we wish you the best of luck in all of your endeavors. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, Jen, I can certainly see why you wanted to have Kat on the podcast. Um, she's really charming and great to talk to. And, you know, she started her first business when she was 13. So I think it's so cool to to talk to young women like that and and see, you know, why they wanted to do it. And she certainly had motivation because she wanted to horse show and she had yep. to pay for it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, I really thought that she was like kind of a fresh perspective, right? Being so young. And so often Mm -hmm. we have people who are seasoned business people and their Mm -hmm. advice is great. But I thought it would be really nice to hear from somebody younger who's just kind of going through it, has done a lot already, super interested in business as a whole, um, trying different things, hustling in different areas. And I was super impressed that she just reached out and went for it. And he was like, hey, can we have a call? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I appreciate that. That's exactly what equestrian business women is about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love her 
you know, she was candid about everything. You know, mm-hmm. she said, like, my mom invested in my business and here's where we're at. And um, yeah, it was cool to see her be able to talk easily about, you know, what she does and why she did it and how she's doing it. Um, I thought the the Facebook and the LinkedIn advice could be helpful for people. Oh, definitely. Like, and, and like the strategy and knowing that strategy from such a young age to like mm-hmm. gain followers and everything. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know if I would have thought of making a bunch of different groups to put my own stuff in, and, you know, no, like, me either, for yeah. sure. So I, I mean, my mind's already working like, oh, how could we make something like that work for us? Right. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no, I really, I, I enjoyed it. And um, from the first conversation I had, I've already connected her with a few other people because I feel like she's somebody that, you know, is going to make connections and, and isn't afraid if they don't go somewhere, but it'll be great if they do, you know? Yeah. That's such a good mindset to have. And I think that's something everyone can take away from this is, you know, like she said, I'm not afraid of rejection. If it doesn't work, that's fine, but I'll learn from it either way. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I do think you need to have that attitude. And also, I like her perspective on sales that, you know, she's trying to just network with people. And you know what, you never know who who you're going to network with and where it's going to where what it's going to lead to, you know, right. Um, I know it's funny. I was talking to a coworker recently and she was saying that about me. She was like, you're really good at like networking with people. Like you just know somebody who knows somebody somewhere that does something. And I was like, I guess, yeah. Like I don't, I I, I don't really think about it a lot. It just like, it's one of those easy things. And what's what you do naturally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think it was fresh and great to hear. And I, I think she had great perspective for being so young. And I think she should be an inspiration to a lot of people. I agree. But I am sick today. And so I apologize for my <laughs> voice to everybody. And we really gonna... didn't notice it. Well, that's good. I'm glad <laughs> because I've been putting myself on mute and sneezing and (laughs) hacking over here. So I think I'm going to call it a wrap for today. And you can find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review so more people can find us. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go take a chance.